Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Well, good morning, church. It's been a good week, amen? All right. I'm so glad to see you. Uh, my niece just graduated from Hillsong. Uh, we just uh, had a little celebration dinner for her when she came back from Australia. Uh, I have another dear friend who's at Hillsong right now. The mom and dad of this young man has worked with me in marriage conferences through the years. Uh, and Brother White is at Hillsong there having a good time. That's a long way from here uh, in, in Sydney, Australia. It's, how many of y'all have been to Australia? Have you been to Australia? Okay, well, maybe one day you'll get to go. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting place, of course, but it's, it's a very, uh, it's a wonderful place, but it has been really lacking spiritually through the years, and uh, the Church of England was great there. I went over there and spoke in Baptist churches, uh, and you would have thought that uh, wow, what's happened to us? They, they really were low-key. But Hillsong has come along and kind of revolutionized the whole country. So I'm praying that the Spirit of God will sweep across that place in a magnificent way through the efforts of these people who are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I have uh, in my notes that we're going to begin reading at verse 31, but I'm going to uh, back up a little. I'm going to start reading really at verse 25. You can stand if you want to. I gave you an option. All right. Hope you have all your Bibles with you. Amen. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, 
Thank you for the privilege we have of being here this morning. Thank you for the beautiful music. Thank you for moving us in worship. And now, Heavenly Father, as we come to read your word and to speak and to preach, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I already know the answer. Do you really desire to be happy? I've never met anybody when I ask that question and say, no, Brother Ronnie, I don't want to be happy. I think we all desire to be happy. Then the real issue in being happy is following the plan of God for your life. We must have perspective, priority, and obedience. Obedience is the expression of a reverent heart. Now to recap what I've said so far, if you want to be happy, you got to do it God's way. Amen? All right, now listen to what John says in John 14, 21 through 23. Whoever has my commandments, Jesus speaking, and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Do you love him? Well, if you're keeping his commandments, you're the one who loves me. Now look further. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, as I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus is putting his finger right on uh, the problem. What we have to do in life if we are going to be happy is to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart. Amen. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 6 and the Sheba. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And Jesus added a new commandment in the New Testament. He said, and your neighbor as yourself. Focus is required to be obedient. To be obedient means you've got to have your focus right. For example, when a conductor steps forth to lead an orchestra, you've seen that happen so many times. Uh, and they tap, everybody gets ready, and then he tells them to stand or sit. You have to keep your eyes on the conductor. And he tells you about, with that wand, he moves the movement. It's just beautiful to watch a conductor. So if you're going to be a musician and you're going to do it right, you've got to look at the one who's leading you. If we're going to be a child of God and get it right, we've got to look at the one who is leading us. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of of the throne of God, fixing your eyes upon Jesus, looking to Him. That's who has to have our attention if we're really going to be happy. Now, I've done a lot of studies on stewardship, and I've preached through the years on stewardship, and I've come to conclude that the stewardship that God so seeks from us is that we give Him, because of His great love for us, a love response. Stewardship, in its essence, is a love response by his children back 
to the Heavenly Father. We are to love God and people, giving Him a love response back. Now, unfortunately, our society seems to have that mixed up a little bit. Uh, we tend to love things and exploit people. That's not right. That's not good, is it? So the child of God must fix our eyes on Him, Jesus Christ, and determine in our spirit and in our heart to be obedient. Now, we know that our God knows that uh, we need things. Amen? Do you think God knows everything? Do you? And God desires us to have absolutely all of our needs met. Are, are there people here this morning that don't have their needs met? You know, the church will help you if that's true. But I think we all have our needs met. I think we can say amen to that. You know, when I was a child growing up, uh, I was in the eighth grade before I had a television. Do you remember those days? Uh, I didn't have air conditioning until I got married. And I used to wonder when the preacher would preach, God knows what you have need of. And I'd say to myself, as, as a, I need a television and I need air conditioning in my house. And uh, I finally got it. And I, learned, I, I, I learned that uh, good, solid work uh, accomplishes a lot of things in planning. But listen, God knows what you have need of. He really does. He knows everything about you. And so, therefore, we need to understand that we've got to get things put into proper priority and proper perspective. Uh, sometimes, you know, we get mixed up. Now, needs to me is one thing, and needs to someone else might be another. For example, for a man, most of the times we're pretty simple. Our needs are pretty simple, but uh, what is a need in our heart uh, might not fit your wife or someone else, you know. That you, you have to understand that it, it varies, but at the same time, we all have basic needs, and this is what the Scripture's telling us. We have needs for clothing, we have needs for food, we have needs for housing. And the Bible says, don't be anxious about these things because God knows you have needs in your life. Now, needs and wants are different, amen? You know that sometimes your wants can outdo your needs, and that's when you have a lot of month left at the end of your money. So you have to understand that God knows all about us, and He knows our needs. And He says, look at the birds. They, they don't have any problem with food. I feed them. Look at the lilies of the field. Even Solomon and all of his riches and wealth and all the garments that he had uh, nothing compared to what God does for the lilies of the field. He knows you have needs, and He is going to meet your needs. But somehow, in our thinking and in our society, we get things all out of focus. One of the difficult things to teach young marriage when I do marriage counseling, particularly premarital counseling, is how to have priorities set and how to reach goals. You know, sometimes children will leave their home uh, and they'll look back at their home and their mom and dad have worked so hard and they've got things pretty well going in the right direction and they think they can go out immediately and reproduce that. It just doesn't work. And if you absolutely begin to buy things and use credit cards and you don't have money to pay them off when they come due, guess what? Interest piles up. 
Isn't that true? I don't like credit cards, but I have to use them in this society just like you do. But we're not going to buy anything that we can't pay for. And I think that's good advice. Amen? You want this? Then save for it. Work for it. And then pay for it. Our society's got things so out of whack. Man, listen, I got a telephone call the other day. And uh, I, I don't like these uh, roto calls, these random calls. Say, Hello? Hello. Mr. Spillers? You have been pre-approved for so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And I got to thinking, pre-approved for a loan? I don't need a loan. Do you know that people get these things in the mail and get a credit card and say, you've been pre-approved for $2,500. You know, hey, guess what? Uh, you go use that credit card to see how much interest you're going to pay on it. I don't know what the uh, legal limit of interest is in the state of Georgia. It's around 32% or something like that. But you better watch out. Our society will indebt you far above your ability to repay. Trust me. It's just a fact. We've got to get this thing right. Don't buy things if you can't pay for them. You say, well, Brother Ronnie, what about my house? I've got, got a mortgage. Well, listen, in reality, you have to do that, I suppose. You know, unless you're going to live in a pup tent. You have to have some of those things in life. But let me tell you something. Don't you believe, have you ever seen your family or have you ever experienced just indebting yourself above your ability to repay and get so frustrated? That's the reason the Scripture says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. You know why we get anxious about tomorrow? It's because the bills are coming due that we don't have money to pay for. So please, take the Scripture's advice, look and listen to the Savior, and get your instructions uh, from headquarters uh, before you do anything else. Now listen to some real wealthy men in history who had some good advice for us. Listen to this one, this quote, I quote, The poorest man I know is the man who has nothing but money. John D. Rockefeller, Jr., now, John D. Rockefeller, Jr. was a very wealthy man. Have you ever been to Rockefeller Center in New York? You know, the Rockefellers were absolutely mind-bogglingly wealthy. And he began to say at the end of his life, hey, if you put your faith and trust in nothing but money, you really don't have anything. You are poor. Father knows best about things. And if we need to get things right, listen to this one. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of things filling a vacuum, it makes one. Benjamin Franklin. Very smart man. Now li listen to this one. I like this one the best. Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things that they don't want to impress people they don't like. Will Rogers. Now listen to this one. The man who gains things has four metallic attributes. Gold in his palm, silver on his tongue, brass on his face, and iron in his heart. Abraham Lincoln. These wise men of the past, I mean, great people, they're trying to help us to understand, get it right. You can't put your faith in things. You just can't do it. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful? Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, that uh, uh, we've been given an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and shall not fade away. In God, we have an inheritance that's incorruptible. Uh, it's undefiled. That simply means it's without defect or flaw. Uncorruptible means it won't rust or fade away. Uh, in this life, everything we see is going to rust and fade away. Amen? And so, don't put your faith and trust in what this uh, material world offers. Now, we've got to have it, but we can't have it to the point to where it frustrates us. And the Scripture says, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, simply because you've overextended yourself. Uh, one of the greatest things in the world that we can teach our children is to make sure that they learn how to budget their money and how to operate in this environment in which we now all live in. It's difficult, isn't it? The Father knows best about things. He really does. He's made things just right with His creation. But sometimes you and I can get really things out of order, out of proportion. So the Scripture is telling us, get things right. Obey the commandments of the Lord. Love Him with all your heart. Seek Him and put your face on Him and then act. I guarantee you uh, that'll help. Amen. As a matter of fact, it can straighten your life out. Not only does our Father know best about things, He knows best about time. Matthew 6, 34. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, the, the Bible says. Uh, i tell you what, about time, I've never read a statement any more uh, profound than this one. It's written by a CPA. He said this, Yesterday is a council check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only cash you have, so spend it wisely. Time. Our Father knows best about time as well. He says, how many of you, when you look at how you're living, can add one hour to your time or one cubit to your stature? You just can't. He says, I've got time. I know what time is. I know how you need to act, and I know what you need to be doing. Anxiety is elevated when you look towards tomorrow without the ability to absolutely face it. I'm telling you, our Father... Our good Father, He knows all about things, and He knows all about time. Amen? Now listen to this. It's time for the child of God to remember some things, and I've written them down for you. Number one, the value of time. This is it. This is all we got. As we think about stewardship and moving forward in the future, we've got to get our thinking right when it comes to our love response back to God in every way. Monetarily, you know, how we're going to do right with our money. Secondly, how we're going to do right with our gifts and talent. How we're going to respond back to God. That is so important. Very important. And during these days, if you can't get back to basics and get these things right, put your eyes back on Christ, then it's going to be terribly difficult for the church to move forward. It's time. It's time for us to get it right. Amen? 
All right, it's time for us to remember the value of time. This is it, only time we got. It's just amazing. Bam, this is our day, our only day of ministry. What are we going to do with it? Secondly, the success of perseverance. You've got to keep on keeping on. All through the Scripture, they use the language that's so beautiful. When it says, keep on keeping on, uh, keep on walking, present active indicative, don't stop, just keep on. Once you know the Lord is good and you're following His will, don't stop, don't back up, just keep going forward. And then we need to learn again, it's time to understand the pleasure of working. It really is working. When I was pastor of a great church in, in middle Georgia, we were having a real problem. The church was growing rapidly. We were having a real problem with, with our children, little babies, little bitty children. Nobody wanted to work with them here. Of course, and I can understand that because I had two little babies at home too. And uh, sometimes when you go to church, you know, you just, oh, you give them say, thank God, you know, I'm, uh, somebody's looking after them for me, you know. And you, you, you take a deep breath. But sometimes, you know, we, we have to take our turn. We have to do things. We need to work. Amen? And so uh, we were having a hard time. You know what I did? One Sunday morning, I just had them to bring all the kids in, in the church. And they all came in and lined up. You know how children are. They stand there and pull the dress up and do all kind of funny things. Everybody was laughing. And I said, do we love our children? Oh, yes, we love our children. There's just nothing we wouldn't do for them. That's right. And then I got our director of education to stand down there with the uh, children's workers. And I said, those of you after service, they're going to be standing down here. If you'll come and give them your name and you promise to work with them, they'll train you. Amen? All right, I'll let them be dismissed. Everybody's going, that was different. You know? Well, it's time to go back to work. It's time to do something. We got time. It's time to do it now. And then the, we need to learn the, the, the dignity of simplicity. You know, this is not rocket science. It's just really not. Loving God and loving each other and getting this thing called church right, it's just not rocket science. It's, it's a simple thing. We need to get back to understanding the simple love of God and, and loving each other. Now, the last time we had our men's meeting, uh, it was a good meal, and then we had a great, great fellowship. It was wonderful in prayer. Uh, the ladies, uh, Linda was here the last one. She's coming to this one Tuesday. You know, it's, it's great. It's, it's good to, to understand the, the simplicity of, of all this. It's not difficult. Just make a commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and love Him with all your heart. It's time to understand the worth of character again. People need to see something that's real. We don't need to be so uh, plastic anymore. We've we got to be real. we just got to be who we are. Amen? And it's time also to see and understand the power of kindness. Paul said it so beautifully. He said that love is so patient, long-suffering. The very next thing he said, love is kind. we got to get back to just being kind. Kind to one another, kind to our family. Speak kindly. Not too long ago, Lynn and I were visiting uh, some of our relatives and some of our friends. And they are as old or a little older than we are. And they were just chopping each other's heads off with their language. Just talk so harshly. 
You know, we got back to the car, and, uh, and she said, looked at me, and she said, did you just notice how they talk to each other? And I said, yeah, I did. She said, that was very discouraging. Listen, folks, I don't care how old you are. You can still be kind, amen? You know, uh, kind is so important. It's wonderful. It's time also as a child of God that we understand the influence of a good example. Paul said, be imitators of me. Follow me. We need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to be a good example. A good example to our children, a good example to the people with whom we come in contact, particularly those we work with on a daily basis. It's just time to make a commitment to God to just be a good example. It's our stewardship, our love response back to Him and using our time wisely. And then it's good also to understand the time uh, of being really patient. Uh, could all of us use an extra dose of patience? We can. And, and I found that the older I get, the more I need it. I didn't even pay too much attention to it, but the older I become, I've, I've become a little more impatient. It's just like traffic, you know. Uh, Linda's been so much of a help for me. And she's got an awesome left jab, you know. Uh, but uh, she, she's tapped me on the shoulder a couple of times. I, I don't have any feeling in this thumb. But anyway, uh, she's, she's helped me to understand, be patient. She's patient. I, Lord, help me, you know. I, I, sometimes I, I get so impatient. And, you know, and, and, and instead of using bad language, I, I, I try to quote scripture. But I've done run out of ones on hell. You know. Uh, listen, uh, learning how to be a good steward and responding in patience is really important. You know what she's helped me to do? We hadn't been married long until I was riding down the interstate. And she says, uh, how fast are you going? And I said, uh, well, a little too fast. She said, you know what? I, they gave you that uh, cruise control to help that problem. And she, she said, just put it on 70. Is that hard? And, you know, I said, well, you know, she's helped me so much, but she gave me that conversation after I got a ticket that cost me $450. It was her fault. Because as I was riding down the interstate, we were talking, and I wasn't looking at the speed of her. And you know if you go 81 in a construction zone, that's really not good. Patience. Do you, do you have patience? You know, God, if we put our eyes on Him, we can have a certain amount of patience that we need to have. We need to understand the virtue of patience. I'm learning. I am. You just never get too old to learn. And uh, I've, I've learned, like, right down here, did you know that Oxford has a police car? Uh, well, listen, I came in the other night, and you would think, Oxford? Everybody's asleep? He was parked over there where the, right coming out of the post office, looking. And so, thank God, I was doing 35. Uh, 
I've learned to be patient. I really have. It's helping me. It really is. And I've learned, too, it's bad, though, for my weight because I've started taking little things to nibble on while I'm in traffic. <laughs> now I've got to learn how to lose weight. All right, look. It's time for us to learn the freedom of obedience. The freedom of obedience. Do you know when you obey God, it gives you such a wonderful feeling? Have you noticed that in your life and in your Christian walk? When you obey God, it's just, it's just great. And so freedom comes in obedience. It's time for us to do that, too. It's also time for us to understand the joy of service. Now, can I say this about time and conclude on this one? It's, it's really time for us to put our eyes back on Christ. It's time for us to do the things that he's called us to do. Let me tell you something from the bottom of my heart. If we don't do what we know we ought to do, then why would God want to, want to give us something to do that's greater? We have to start where we are and make a recommitment of our life. Are you willing to do that? A good steward is. A good steward is not going to worry about what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat and all things. We're not going to have things confused anymore. We're going to see that Jesus Christ is the greatest one, that we give him our heart, our allegiance, our obedience, and things are going to work out, and we're going to give him a love response back of everything we got. And then we're going to be really concerned about how we spend our time. And he is the father of things and the father of time. No one has ever gone into the beauty shop or barbershop and said, can I help you? Say, yeah, just cut this side over here. Leave that one alone. Well, maybe they do now. <laughs> I want to take that back. I saw a guy just this week that probably did just that. You know, but that's half-heartedness. You know, I, I, I want you to understand it's just half-heartedness. Uh, Give him your all. Stop playing church. Just say, God, here I am. What do I need to do? I want to give you my all as a child of the living God. No one's ever gone into uh, the nail salon and said, just, just do this side. Leave that one alone. You know, don't, you don't want to do that. So we don't need to give God a half-hearted commitment. We need to be consistent in what we do. He absolutely gave his all to us. Amen? He did. Now, in conclusion, listen to this. It's time for us to once again be responsible. Responsible with things and responsible with time. Now, basically what I've given you in the uh, foregoing mention was my introduction. I have three points and I'm going to say them real quick. All right? Number one, a steward recognizes that Jesus uh, is the Lord of life. He is our Lord. A good steward recognizes that Jesus Christ is our Lord. He's the Lord of life. Uh, some years ago, I was uh, with a group of people, and Bailey Smith was one of them. They were talking about being with one of the great saints that was going out to be with the Lord. They were praying around the bed. And as they were there uh, praying, they were talking about, I'm taken care of. God has got me in the palm of his hand. He owns everything. 
He's owned me from the time I was born. He's owned me. He, she said, uh, he owns the cows on a thousand hills, and he even owns the hills. He's got me. And it wasn't long until this person went out into eternity. We need to recognize that Jesus is the Lord of life. In the final analysis, when we go to meet with him, the greatest thing that can be said about us is, you know what? He or she loved the Lord and loved people, and they were a consistent witness. The second thing is that the steward understands that just God owns everything. He really does. He's loaned things to us and given responsibilities to us while we're here. But we're not going to be here forever. We're just not. He owns everything. And the good steward also understands the purpose of God's love that we're to love him and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. When we do that, uh, we're approaching what the very basic meaning of stewardship is all about, a total love response back to God by doing what he tells us to do. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, it might say that in the Bible, but I got my ideas about it. That person's not happy. To be happy in this life is to know the Lord of life, and to follow him, understanding that he knows everything, that he has things in his hands, he has time in his hands. He's the father of things and time. And when we get that straight and we look to him with all of our love and our heart, you know what? Things are just going to work out because God will make sure. Amen? If you're here this morning and perhaps the Lord has spoken to your heart, uh, you'd like to be a part of this fellowship, come on. If you're here this morning and you need to rededicate your life, you can do that right where you stand in just a minute. But I want to say to you, if you're here this morning and you just need a special prayer, you come. We'll pray for you. Whatever the Lord tells you to do in these next few minutes, do it. When you follow His will in your life and His Spirit's moving in your heart, you'll never be sorry. Let's stand together and have a prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, that you are the father of, of things and time. I thank you, God, that you just know everything about us. And I pray for every man and woman and every boy and girl in this place. And I ask God for your spirit to move in their hearts. Father, if there's someone here that needs Jesus, draw that person. Let them know how they need him. And Father, I just pray in your Holy Spirit, as you move in this midst, that you just help us, God, to get it right this time. Help us to get things in proper perspective and priority, and help us to become real obedient. God, help us to understand that, that you are the Father of time as well, and that if we are in your hands, things are going to work out. Time is going to be on our side. Thank you in Jesus' name. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at oxfordbaptistchurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.